Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Oh my goodness, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. What a good crowd, good spirit. I'm thankful for what we feel tonight. And then a week ago tonight, what a grand start to the year. Then Sunday, my goodness, what a great presence of the Lord that was so evident here today and or yet at Sunday and then now tonight here we are and I feel just uh, that same connection that same continuity and I just want to see what the Lord will do for us here this evening if you have your Bibles join me in the book of Jude the book of Jude verse number 17 and we're going to read down through verse number 21 Jude 17 the Bible says but beloved Remember ye the words which were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. And then verse 20, Jude then directly addresses He said, but ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And from verse number 20, I just want to speak to you this evening from this subject, building up yourselves, building up yourselves. Amen. Lord, I love you today. I thank you so very much for the privilege to be here in this service tonight. And I pray this evening that your authority, your word will just pierce and penetrate our hearts this evening. Touch us, Lord, mightily challenge us by your word. Help us to be changed in every area that we need to change. Open our eyes to that as such. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And you may be seated. I wanted to stay in theme with certainly what we're doing as a church in prayer and fasting and and uh, kind of taking some inward inventory, I hope, and asking the Lord to just strengthen us and touch us in every way conceivable. Beginning this week, as you know, uh, we began this journey on Sunday of prayer and fasting and consecration, more so, we kind of just turned up the burner That's at least our effort. There are many things that we're striving for in this endeavor, the least of which would be recognition. Beginning last Sunday and for 21 days, we're focusing on getting closer to the Lord, just drawing closer to the Lord. The way we're doing that is through the things that tear down the flesh. And if you don't think that the flesh is in charge, just challenge your flesh. And we'll soon find out Who's really, who has the loudest voice at the table? And so uh, we want to just do what we can to submit ourselves to the Spirit and the will of God 
And in doing that, we have to address the flesh man. Now, this is not a contest. I want to be very clear. This is certainly not for show. And this is certainly not something that we're doing to appear to be more spiritual than we really are. We're just simply working on our relationship with the Lord. It's just plain and simple. And we're asking God to touch us. I know that there are times that we feel that urgency in our own spirit to just draw away in prayer. Or there may be other times that we feel like that God is just leading us to fast. I know that certainly happens in my life and my wife and I share this in every endeavor. And so we just feel like there are times that the Lord is speaking to us that we just need to draw away. I'm not saying that to sound spiritual. I'm saying to that to say that I'm, I recognize the fact that that happens in other lives as well. That there are just times that we feel like we need to do this and we may set a, a certain time then or we may just take off and just feel our ways through that. But there are other times like what we're doing now as a church where we're just standing shoulder to shoulder and as a body we're saying, Lord, we want you to touch us. We don't want to just randomly go through. Now, let's just admit it. We could, we could get by without doing this. You already know the address of the church. You know how to get here. You know what the service times and the schedules are. So we could just show up and we could just go through the motions and we could just tick off 52 weeks and be done with it just by coming. But I think there's something inside of all of us that, that says we want to do more than that and we want to be more than that. And so we're working to build up that spirit man in all of us. This morning I was reading through the seventh chapter of the book of Acts and there were just a few things that stood out to me and I made a few notes and began to put this together and I pray that somehow, some way, this will be a blessing to someone. It has challenged me today, so I hope it will challenge you. The seventh chapter of the book of Acts is a record of Stephen as he addresses the Sanhedrin. It was a very costly address. It was very direct as a matter of fact, no matter how many times you've read this today, I found myself just reading and rereading and kind of thinking to myself, wow, wow. I mean, here is a man that was staring death literally in the eyes, but he did not allow that to dissuade the message that was in his heart. And so as he began to address the Sanhedrin, I say it's costly, it was a costly address because it literally resulted in Stephen becoming the very first martyr of the New Testament church. And so they just could not embrace many things. And one of those was the fact that they could not embrace the fact that Stephen was telling them that the Lord just doesn't dwell in temples anymore. That's kind of how they had it in their mind. That's, that's what the law taught them and that's what they had record of. But in Acts 7.24, he was trying to, Acts 7.48 rather, he was trying to just remind them of what the scripture says. The most high dwelleth not in temples made with hands, saith the prophet. We understand that God does not simply reside in a church that's made with human hands. Now this is a building that has been dedicated for the cause of the kingdom and this church was not built as something else and then turned into a church. There's nothing wrong with that. That happens all the time. But this church was built for the sole purpose and intent of having church. And so from the very first time, the very first shovel full of dirt that was first ever to begin digging the footer and the foundation of this building, the intention of that was sure, and it was true. This building was dedicated as such to the, to the work of God and to the cause of the Lord. 
and uh, Brother Raymond Bishop and Brother J. Frank Wilson were here and they dedicated the building back many, many years ago when the church first moved in. I was just a teenage boy back then. In 2001, the latter part of 2000 to 2001, we radically remodeled this building and and when we moved back in, I just felt an unction. Brother J. Frank Wilson had already passed on, but Brother Raymond Bishop was still living. And so I called and asked him if he would come. And we wanted to rededicate this building to the Lord. Amen. We just wanted to make sure that heaven understood that our intentions have not ever changed. We want to make sure, Lord, that, that this is your house. And so I say all that to say this, that we, re- we reverence this building as the house of God. And we would not want anything going on in here that would be displeasing to God or offensive to God. But at the same time that we reverence this building and we certainly want to take care of it. And you know, it almost seems hard to wrap your mind around that that even our remodel is almost, or it is 14 years old now. And uh, and uh, so it's been well taken care of. We've, we've taken care of the things that God has given us and we, we are, we're careful with what God has done. But all of that said, we also realize that this is just a building. It's brick and mortar and it's drywall and carpet and pews and it's wood and plumbing and electric. And, and, uh, and uh, so there's nothing about any of that that says God is here. Amen. God is here because we are here. He promised to show up wherever we gather together. And so I think about the many home missionaries that are renting facilities that, uh, that on one night they do this and they, it's a bingo hall or another night it's this and another night it's that and then, and then now they're there having worship service and so it's a church. And so that's what, that's what Stephen was trying to convey to them was that God is not just limited to brick and mortar. God is not just limited to wood and clay, but he lives in us. And that is my point that I want to drive home tonight. We are the temple of the Lord. Amen. We are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit of God. We are God's church. Amen. I've been pretty slow and intentional up to now because I wanted this to be the foundation of what we're speaking about here tonight. That the church is not just this building but the church is this temple right here. It's what's in my heart and in my mind and therefore I've got to make sure that we're going to take care of the temple of God. Amen. We make sure that things are tended to around here. If something breaks down, we don't just let it go and go and go until something else breaks down, hopefully. But we're trying to stay on top of that and keep care of that. We want it to be right and we want it to be presentable. And uh, we don't want, when people step in the front door, we don't want the restroom smelling like they walked in a bus station. Amen. We want this to feel like home. I I think we were greatly complimented the other day. I had a a visitor here, a man that I was meeting with, does not attend this church, does not even live in this state. And so... As we were talking together, he asked if he could just come into the sanctuary. And, and uh, we were sitting in here. He said, I'd just like to see the church. We were back in my office and had visited quite a while. And so we came in and sat down. And, and uh, we were sitting right there on the front seat. And he said, I'm going to tell you, there's just something inviting about the presence that I feel here. And he said, everywhere I look, it just looks like that you folks care. You, you care about what you're doing. And he said, I just want to compliment you on that. And uh, I, I, I felt good about that. I passed that compliment on to you because everything that happens here doesn't happen as an end result of me, that's for sure. 
Amen. If that's true, if somebody can just look around and see that there's something about what we're doing, the touch with which or, or, or the, the accents or, or the things that, that we are doing, if they can tell by that that we love the Lord and that we love people, how much more important then should this temple be? How much more important? You see, you see this temple, this house, God forbid, but, but this house could blow away in a storm tomorrow. This house could burn to the ground in a tragic fire this evening. That could all happen, and this house, this little house, be gone in just a matter of moments. But you see, what we're talking about here this, this evening is this house, building up ourselves, making sure that since we are the temple of God, that we're careful about what we're doing where the Spirit of the Lord is abiding. And so our role and responsibility is to provide a holy dwelling place for the Spirit to abide. And so we build up the temple. We refuse to corrupt that. We refuse to destroy that. I refuse to pull that down. Amen. Paul speaks very candidly about this to the Corinthian church in Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. He said, Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Amen. From time to time, I like to read from the Message Bible. I want to pause here long enough this evening just to say this. The Message Bible is not another translation of the Bible. I don't want you to be, uh, misunderstand that. The Message Bible is just simply a paraphrased Bible. And I don't use the Message Bible to study from. I just use it as a tool to help me understand perhaps in a more modern language what's being said or what's being unfolded there. It helps sometimes to read something in a more common language for my own understanding. And so from time to time you may hear me refer to that or maybe the Amplified Bible as well, uh, which in, sense, in, in essence is the same thing. And so with that said, I want to read something that Paul said to the Corinthian church from the Message Bible. It's found in 1 Corinthians 6, chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20. Here's what Paul said to the church. Didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place? A place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you can't live however you please? Squandering what God paid such a high price for. The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. Let me read that again. The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. Amen. Amen. Now that was the scripture that I forgot to give uh, young Jericho here tonight. Make sure that was in the message Bible. That's my fault. So that's my fault you just had to hear that and not see it. It's quite a challenge that the Apostle Paul has thrown down before us. He said, you got to realize that your body is a sacred place. That's where the Holy Spirit dwells. Amen. Don't see that you, you just can't live how you please. You just can't do whatever you want to do because the Spirit of God lives here. And so you got to do what the Spirit of God mandates. Amen. And so we can't squander what the Lord paid such a high price for and that understand that the physical part of you is not some piece of property that belongs to the spiritual part of us, but God owns it all. 
And then we need to let people see God in and through our physical bodies. Amen. Now, again, I'm going to say that's quite a challenge that Paul has said, I want you to allow the world to see God through you. And so let people see God in and through you. And so when we share the gospel of Jesus Christ, whenever we begin to share God's word and bring people to the, to the saving knowledge of the Lord through his word, that's called evangelism, reaching out to maybe someone who doesn't understand the word of God. And we bring them uh, with, with the help of the spirit of God, of course, to the saving knowledge of the Lord. That's evangelism. But evangelism has to be followed by discipleship. You can't just let a baby be born and then just set it on the stool and hope for the best. Evangelism brings people into right relationship with God. But discipleship keeps us in in right relationship with God. And so I can't just get something one time. I gotta keep going back to the well and drawing from that well. I'll never forget the night I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'll never forget that experience. Many of those details are just burned so deeply into my heart and my spirit and even my memory. I I remember so many things about that particular night, that particular service. But you see, if I'm just depending on that moment to keep me, I would be in trouble here this evening. And so I gotta keep going back to the well and I've gotta keep going back to the word of God. Amen. There are times, certainly, that we may not be clear on the things that please the Lord. We may not be. And so this is where the word of God plays such a vital role in our lives. I need God's word to teach me, to lead me and guide me. We've made a concerted effort uh, this year as in, in years past, but this year the, the, our Sunday school department, Brother Darrell and, and those working with him have brought to us to a greater challenge this year, reading the bread program or with the bread program, reading through the word of God each and every day. And if you haven't, I'll just give a little small advertisement here. If you haven't purchased a bread Bible or if you don't have a copy of the bread program, please don't leave here tonight without it. It's not too late. And that's a wonderful way to have a systematic way of just making sure we are ingesting the word of God. If you, you gotta get into the word for the word to get in. You're never gonna get wet just standing on the bank. I'll promise you. Promise you, promise you. You gotta get into something for that to get into you. So getting into the word will get the word in you. We not only need to focus on reading the word of God, but we need, in addition to that, we need anointed teaching and preaching of the word of the Lord. And I'm thankful for that. I really am thankful for that in our church. And I'm not certainly just speaking of me, but I'm thankful for the anointing that God has put on the ministry of this church. I'm I'm very humbled by that. And so we need anointed teaching and we need anointed and preaching to help convey the word of God and let the word turn on the light and reveal to us where we are. Let me just say this, when the preaching or the teaching is going forth and the word comes forth through revelation and we begin to see, we begin to see things more clearly or differently, we are responsible to do something about that because to whom much is given, much is required. You can't unhear something, you can't unsee something. Amen. And so when the light comes on, 
I've got a mandate, a responsibility at that point to begin to, to live that, to begin to follow that. And so prayer, uh, we have also got not, do we just need to read the word and not do we, only do we need to have the word taught and preached to us, but we need prayer, a prayer life. If you don't have a prayer life, I want to challenge you this evening. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I just want to maybe say it another way. You need some consistency in prayer, daily prayer, not just praying over the food, not praying while you're riding down the road. Amen. I'm talking about just stealing away with God. And, and there's something about prayer. The Lord revealed this to me many, many years ago. Uh, when, in the younger years of my pastoring, I, I was just, I felt overwhelmed almost at the challenge of trying to teach people to pray and, and, uh, and to lead that in prayer. And, and the Lord just revealed to me that prayer is a living thing. And if I can just instill into the heart of people the value of praying, if you'll just pray, then you won't have to worry about how long you pray because it's alive, it's a living thing, it's a relationship. And so if it's like introducing somebody. It's like introducing two strangers. And once you, once you get past the awkwardness of not knowing who one another is and now you're acquainted, the more you're acquainted, the more you have to talk about Amen. Have I got anybody that will agree with me on that? And so prayer is building a relationship with God through communication. You can't have a relationship to somebody you're not communicating with. Amen. difference between talking and communicating. We gotta communicate. We gotta get the point across. John 16 and 13 says, when the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you unto all truth. And so the word of God will guide us and lead us into all truth. He won't leave us abandoned beside the road. No, he won't. Amen. He's going to lead us and guide us. John 14 and 26, the scripture says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And so the Spirit of God is going to prompt us. It's going to be in us, dwelling in us. It said he'll teach us all things and then bring to our remembrance. How many have been there? Amen. That the Lord just quickens something to your mind and your spirit. I'm not saying that heaven's always just going to open up and drop something in our lap. I believe that there we got to study to show ourselves approved. We got to be students of the word of God, but I don't feel like I've got a lot of scriptures committed to memory until I need them. Amen. I, I, I don't want to use the word envy. I don't know what good spiritual word I can insert there in that place. But, but when I see people that can just get up and quote the word of God and quote the scripture, I think, oh, oh, oh. I mean, I struggle remembering my zip code sometimes. But then there are other times whenever maybe I, the phone rings and someone has a need and the Spirit of God just pops a scripture right in my mind. I mean, it's just there. Amen. You know what that is? That's what, what the Lord said right there. He said that I'll bring all things to your remembrance. I'll put that back. It's there. It's there and I'll bring it back. And so prayer opens that gateway for the spirit of truth to work. And so as we pray, uh, let's just ask the Lord to touch our hearts. And then I always say in our prayer time, we need to certainly pray and, and praise and worship in our prayer. And he even talked about uh, that we can with boldness come with our needs and present them, our supplications. But you know what? There are times in prayer we just need to be quiet. And let the Lord do a little talking. Let the Lord impress some things into our spirit. You know, sometimes, uh, sometimes people uh, label all holiness as legalism. 
You know, that's just, a, that's just an easy out for many, many people. Any, any measure of holiness, they just kind of hang it on the nail of legalism, and I, I resent that attitude and that mindset. Uh, I, I resent that deeply. Amen. And here's why. Because I have the liberty to do whatever I want to do. Amen. Let me just say that again. I have the liberty to do whatever I want to do. I am not bound by anything. But I'm thankful for the spirit of truth that leads and guides and creates new desires and creates new passions, creates new hopes and new dreams and new visions. I'm thankful for that. And so I can truthfully say that every day that I get up, I'm not alone. I'm speaking for many here tonight. I want to please the Lord today. I want to do something that's pleasing unto him. I don't want to, I don't want to walk outside the boundary and the scope of his mercy. I choose to do what I do. No one's forcing me to do that. But I want to live in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. First Peter chapter 1, verses 14, 15, and 16, the Bible says, As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves, according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. The word conversation, of course, there is our lifestyle. And so in every manner of our lifestyle, we need to be holy. Some people ask, you know, how far can I go before it's considered sin? I mean, just how close to the edge can I live? They ought to be asking, how can I keep myself as pure as I possibly can because the Spirit lives here? Amen. The power of God dwells here. That's what I need to be asking is not how many times can I sweep this week and get by, but, but, but I want to do this because the Spirit of God lives here. Not, not how often have I got to do this, but how often do I get to do this because the Spirit of the Lord abides here, lives here. The Scripture teaches us that Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom, but that didn't last long. No, it didn't last long. I mean, it started out that way, just aiming toward, looking toward, but he eventually ended up in Sodom. As many have pointed out, he started out in a tent that was just turned toward Sodom, but he wound up living in a house. The tent represents something temporary and something mobile, but a home represents something permanent. And there's a very powerful message there. Lot's wife was the only person in Scripture that died lost in the arms of an angel. I preached through the years that Lot's wife died with angelic arms of redemption wrapped around her. And the reason for that is quite simple. Her friendship with the things of this world was more important to her than her relationship with God and his plan for deliverance. She turned back to the place. Can you imagine in the arms of an angel? Can you imagine in such a moment of, of spiritual deliverance? Here she was, but she turned back to the place where she had developed her relationship and found her sense of community. I promise you today that that can happen in every life that's in this building tonight. Amen. We can turn toward wherever our passions are, where, wherever we develop our relationship, wherever we start feeling a sense of community, we can develop a passion to be there. I don't want to sound despairing, make this, these remarks sound like they're disparaging remarks at all, but I think about Many times when you ride past big overpasses or bridges or something and you see people that are living in these homeless communities and I'm not saying there's not uh, sometimes a reason for that. 
But many times, or sometimes at least, that's a choice. Amen. And so, I'm not here to cross swords with you about that. I'm here to make this point. I don't. I can't even imagine being in a situation like that and closing my eyes to try and go to sleep. I can't even imagine being there. But I certainly couldn't imagine being comfortable enough to roll out a blanket, fluff up a pillow, and say goodnight. But some people have formed such a sense of community until they have developed a relationship with that. Amen. Now I want you to take your mind from underneath that bridge with me, if you will, because that's where we're all camping out right now. Draw your mind out from underneath that bridge and think about how much community with the world we have in our own mind, in our own hearts. The things that used to bother us that no longer bother us. The things that used to stir up some righteous indignation that just kind of skip and bounce right past us. Amen. I'm asking you today to think about where we're developing our relationship and our real sense of community because that's why Lot turned her back because that's where she had built her life. She turned around there because that's where her life was. And so that's why the scripture teaches us so strongly about not loving the world, neither the things that are in the world. Too many people in the church living too close to the edge. We have to fashion and must fashion our lives after the things that are pleasing to the Lord. Here's what James said. James said in 4 and 4 that ye adulterers and adulteresses know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world, there's no commentary needed here now. If you're a friend of the world, then you are an enemy of God. Amen. That's just kind of cut and dried, isn't it? An enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace, wherefore he, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but give grace unto the humble. Verse number seven. I think this is very key. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And I went to verse number seven because I want to tell you this evening but for all of us the key to victory in our lives over sin is found in our ability to have the spirit of submission the spirit of submission submission ultimately to God I wouldn't suggest that you run out and try to cast out any devils if you're not living a life of submission to the Lord amen I, that's my suggestion to you because many people quote half of that verse but they leave off the first half Amen. The Bible does say resist the devil and he'll free, flee from you. But the, 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 but the preface to that is submit yourself to the Lord. We've got to live a submitted life in order to have the authority of God upon us. Because the, the devil's not afraid of unsubmitted saints. Amen. Let me just say that again. The devil's not afraid of unsubmitted saints. I come across something today. I, I want to share this with you real quickly. Uh, we often use terminology that may seem somewhat generic in nature and and uh, but I, I want to just read a couple of things. Brother James Kilgore wrote a lesson many years ago entitled "What in the Word or World is Worldliness?" And so I want to borrow some things real quickly from his lesson that I hope can bring some clarity. There will always be fads. There will always be trends. There'll always be fashions and circumstances that we do not find specifically articulated in Scripture. 
That's why we always need to be looking for principles in the Word of God and not necessarily black and white book, chapter, and verse for each and everything. There are some principles that God sets out in uh, the Word of God, and so that's what we need to live our lives by is the principles that are. There are thou shalt nots and thou shalt, certainly in the Word of God, but there are some principles that we must live by. These are six things to test doubtful or questionable things by the word of God, and again, these are not mine. These are from Elder Brother James Kilgore, but I think they can just assist us. The first thing to ask ourselves is this, is it of the world? Is it of the world? Amen. We're talking about something to guide us down the path of holy living. Another word, does it appeal to the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life? I've tried to say uh, this through the years many, many times. When the world is beating a path to something, you need to ask yourself why before you get in that line. There are some things very, uh, that, that, that are packaged in a very subtle package and the enemy is presenting that and, and uh, when the world has just gone crazy over something, we need to be, take a second thought before we just get in that line. Ask ourselves, does it appeal to the lust of the flesh? Remember that friendship with the world is enmity with God. That's what James said. The second question to ask is, 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 it, is it to the glory of God? You know, you, you just can't live a life of rabble-rousing, drinking, and carrying on, and foul language, and overindulging in this, and overindulging in that. Amen? And, and then expect those activities to glorify God. And so we got to ask ourselves, is this glorifying God? I mean, is, there, is, this, is God going to get any glory in this? We have to ask ourselves, would the Lord be involved in this? Amen. If, would the Lord sit down here beside me while I'm doing this? Would the Lord stand here with me while I'm doing this? Is it to the glory of God? The third thing we have to ask ourselves, is this a weight or is it a sin? Because if anything that's a part of our lifestyle is becoming a weight, if you don't soon put that aside, I promise you it will eventually become a sin. Because anything that separates you from God is a sin. Amen. So you can make a sin out of anything. That's the, that's the truth. You can make the sin out of anything. And so we got to make sure that weights don't become sins in our life. Cut them before it's too late. Another thing we have to ask is, will this become a stumbling block to others? Paul said this. He said, if eating meat offends my brother, I'll not eat any more the rest of the day. <laughs> he said, I won't eat any meat the rest of my life. If this is going to be a stumbling block to somebody else, then it's over with and we're done. Amen. Now, we have to ask ourselves, that seems a little bit extreme and I can feel I can feel you saying, what? But that's what Paul said. That's how sincere he was about, I don't want my life to be a stumbling block to somebody else. And so I, I, how I have to ask myself, how is what I'm doing going to affect somebody else? Because Romans 14 and 7 nails one thing down really tight for us. Romans 14 and 7 says this, for none of us liveth to himself and no one dies to himself. In other words, what I do affects somebody else. It really will have an, an eventual outcome. It really does grieve our heart. Amen. And so if I'm going to be a stumbling block to somebody else, I've got to make sure I don't involve myself in that. 
Another question to ask is, does it make provision for the flesh? Never doubt this, our flesh is in constant opposition to the things of the Spirit. Amen. You're probably finding that out if you're, if you're fasting right now. <clears throat> How many has missed your coffee pot? Keep your hands down. <laughs> I thought I would just touch that nerve one time before I left here this evening. Our flesh is in constant opposition, constant opposition to the things of the Spirit. And so it's not an accident when you kneel down and pray that you think of everything that ought to be done and your mind drifts here and here and there and there and we have to constantly bring that back into submission. And finally, does it promote holiness and encourage holy living? Does what I'm doing promote holiness and encourage holy living? Holiness is separation. Plain and simple, it's being set apart. And so I gotta be careful that I'm always in obedience to the word of God. And so I will say this, and I'm gonna close as our musicians come. True love is always centered around others. That's a biblical concept of love. Others first. Others first. It is love that benefits others without expecting anything at all in return. God is holy, so it makes perfect sense that he expects holiness in his relationships with mankind. It's important to abstain from things that would be a stumbling block to other people. I'm going to tell you, plain and absolutely plain and simple. I've used that term a couple times here tonight, but pardon me. If, if you rode past certain places tomorrow and you saw my truck parked there, it'd bother you. It'd bother you. And so I have become a stumbling block to others. I can say, well, hey, I'm my own man. They'll just have to get over it. But you see, we don't live to ourselves. We don't die to ourselves. Amen. Because we don't want to be a hindrance and because we don't want to be a stumbling block to others, we try to live diligently and soberly and careful. I don't want to say something or do anything that, that would cause anybody to have a, hard, a harder time serving the Lord. Standards of, of right living usually come in three categories and if you'll stand as we stand I will conclude with these remarks. All of these are designed to maintain a godly lifestyle and I think a relationship with God and others. The first of those would be biblical standards. That has to do with our relationship with God. In the word of God, I need to yield myself to that. Other things, we may refer to them as organizational standards, and I'm not just referring to the United Pentecostal Church. Sometimes that's where our mind goes when, I think, when we think, say the word organizational. But just organizational standards, that could be just this local church. And that deals with our relationship with the body of Christ. Amen. And then there are cultural standards and that's our relationship with others in society. And, and so I, I pray that, that somehow these standards of right living, we can realize that, that there are some things that are expected of us because we declare this written word to be our guideline. Then there are some things that are expected of us because we declare this as our home church. And then there are some other things that are, are expected of us because we live in this society and, 
in this particular part of the world. That makes sense? Earlier I mentioned submission and its power in our lives. Despite the opinion of some, submission is not merely designed for women in their relationships with their own husband, as Paul's talked about. But submission, in its truest sense, touches the lives of everyone. We all submit to human authority. 1 Peter 2 and 13 says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be the king as supreme. And so there is human authority that we all have to submit ourselves to. I mean, we're all led and, and, and we are all guided by human authority. Scripture talks about other forms of submission, like the younger submitting to the elder. 1 Peter 5 and 5, likewise, you younger submit yourselves to the elder. You know, powerful that can release in our lives when we submit. Amen. You know what, young men, you can learn a lot from some of the old men if you'll submit yourself to their authority. The same is true, young ladies, to if you'll submit yourself to the elderly. Amen. I, there's a lot of things that can be learned, some things that can be shared with us. No one is exempt from obeying the word of God. Scripturally speaking, there is a direct correlation between observing and obeying, between knowing and doing. Psalms 119 and 34 says, Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Now, please don't misunderstand the word observe. When David is talking about I will observe it, he's not talking about just looking over and peering. No, no, no. That's not what David is talking about at all. The word observe here means to heed or to keep something. And so if we're going to be in pursuit of God, then we are going to have to build up <laughs> ourselves, our build up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen. This is a journey. This is truly a journey. Getting the Holy Ghost, I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for that. Starting out with God, I'm so thankful for good starts. But you see, there's so much more to it than that. So much more to it than that. It is staying diligent and staying true and staying honest before the Lord. Amen. I wonder if you'd just make an altar where you stand this evening. Would you do that? Amen. As a church, can we just ask God to minister to our minds, our hearts? Lord, we need you today. We need you today. We need you today. We need you, Lord, to speak, God, today. In my mind, in my heart, in my life. Let my mind be anointed of you. Let there be hope that I find in you, Lord, when there is no hope anywhere else. I pray, Lord, that you'll anoint us as a church. Would you touch us as a congregation, Lord? Would you allow your spirit, God, to just dwell in us? We are doing everything within our power to do what you would have us to do. We're checking every corner. We're sweeping out, God, every closet. We're checking every, every place, Lord, that there might be an offense. We want your spirit to dwell. We want it to dwell there in happiness. Lord, happily dwell among us. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. 
We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.